yo, 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 what's going on, buddy? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys, what is this? This is Kevin from the Cohort Progression Podcast with Timothy Rocks for Rock Metal Thrive. Happy Thursday, everybody. Today is April 22nd, and this episode is one that, oh my God, this episode is powerful. Let me tell you this. My guest today is Rene Mata. Rene Mata. Yeah, there we go. From the band Reach NYC. They are back. Their brand new EP, Back from the Dead, is available as of this podcast. Well, it's available as of April 16, 2021, but make sure you listen to it now. Well, after the podcast, actually, because we talk about Renee's return to music while playing live music or playing with Reach NYC because he's always been in music. But this episode really dives deep into different emotions and different things in regards to going through life, different mental health, man, mental health things. I wasn't mental, mental health things. It, it's just somewhere I'm recording this intro after we initially did the interview and I'm still sh- sh- absolutely kind of sh- shook by it because it was one of the most powerful things that I think could have been talked about. Uh, so please listen to the episode, please take it all in. And this is one of those, this is one of the most probably the most important episodes I've ever actually shot. So please welcome Renee from the band Reach NYC. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Yeah. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Chord Progression podcast. This one came across my way and I thought, huh, neat. Let's check it out. And I listened to the music. I'm like, yeah, let's see if we can make this happen. And after a couple of mishaps, here we are today. So please welcome from the band Reach NYC. Please welcome Renee Mata. So Renee, man, welcome to Core Progression Podcast. What's going on, Kevin? Happy to be here. Happy to have you here. And what's happening here? You know, not much. Just sitting down, enjoying a nice little uh, sports drink, I would say, and gonna be I'm talking to you for a nice little Poland Spring myself. Got to make sure you stay hydrated, especially with we're shooting this on a day when. And we're, where we both are, it feels like summer outside, so. It's beautiful outside. It is. Summer is definitely on the way, and hopefully with, especially because we're a year past the beginning of the pandemic, hopefully, you know, things continue to open back up. We get back to live shows, and the summer is just as good as the summer could potentially be. Yes, live shows. I think it's definitely going to be more like live shows towards the end of the summer. I mean, I, I know we were on we we're on a bunch of um, festivals, and. Uh, the, the earliest festival we were on was Incarnation, and it was supposed to be in July, and they moved it to September. So, hopefully oh yeah, that's right. Because I, I know a couple of them that have been moved. Like a lot of the Danny Weir Presents ones got moved from their like spring dates back to November ish, but most of those were in southern in the southern part of the United States, so they can easily pull that off. Otherwise, there's some that are, like up here. Um, I'm trying to think, Summerfest, which is Summerfest more. Is, not, I love that. Yeah, I mean, that that got moved to from. June and like June and July to three weekends in September. Rockfest up in Kadat, Wisconsin. That is still full go for July right now. Otherwise, I'm still seeing stuff like mostly September right now. Like uh Blue Ridge, that thing is becoming huge right now. Um, one of my favorites, Riot Fest over in Chicago, that's still set for September. So oh, I love Riot Fest. I'm hoping. Oh man, it's it's it such a it's I went on t- in 2019, it was so much fun. Very cool. So as we jump into this podcast, Renee, I always like to start up by asking the guests three separate questions. The first two, very easy, very nice, not troubling at all. The third one is going to put you on the spot. It is my absolute favorite. So I want to know, A, what is your name? 
B, when it comes to Reach NYC, what do you do in the band? So very easy. But the third one's my favorite and putting you on the spot. I want to know a little fun fact or a little wacky story about yourself that will make me laugh, potentially fall out of my chair. I have had something that have made me fall out of my chair before, and I always like to just laugh at them. And also kind of just lets people know a little bit more about yourself and also just kind of opens up like, hey, I did that too. Because there are some times when people did stuff, I'm like, hey, I did that too. And it just was hilarious. All right. All right. A, my name's Renee Mata. B, I'm the singer in Reach NYC. And C, um, fun fact about me is that the first band I ever got a record deal for was a band called Carrot Flowers. And um, when after they got signed and they finished making their record, which is called Songs About Jane, they changed their name to Maroon 5. Really? Yes. Are, are you serious? I'm completely serious. Hence the Maroon 5 rec- platinum record on my back wall. Oh, shoot. I didn't even notice that. Wow. That's, I mean, that, I was going to say, because usually I hear just hilarious stories. I never hear something like that that just kind of throws me back and say, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Not kidding you. And then, and then now you've got your own thing with Reach NYC. I mean, I was looking up some stuff on it because I'd never really heard the band before I got this opportunity, was looking into it. So you guys were really working more in the early 2000s, then took, then kind of uh, disbanded back in 2004, only to pick it up 15 years later. So, I mean, it looks like you've had this long career in music that has spanned many different things. So I was also taking a look to see what you had done during that time. And it's just like, there's, I've just seen a lot like bing, 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 bing. I'm like, holy crap, this guy does not stop. <laughs> what did you see? I was seeing certain things about, um, I think I did see something about uh, the... Uh, signing to Maroon 5 to, uh, I think it was Octone Records or Octane, yeah. I don't remember which one it was. Octone Records. Okay, and then doing an A&R job with Columbia Records as well, so I'm like, this guy keeps going. And then yeah. a potential comeback plan in 2017 with, I'm just taking a look at the list of bands that I had seen on this little press release that I got for it, and I'm just like, holy shit, that would have been one hell of a tour. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, yeah, I got a lot, you know, after, uh, I mean, basically, I mean, this is the reach story. You know, I joined a band in uh, 1996. You know, we were young guys, and uh, basically, uh, my guitarist Richie was uh, the the bass player in this uh, New York City hardcore band called Sick of It All. And they were like this big, you know, hardcore band. You know, definitely, you know, doing well and 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 pretty humongous in the scene in New York. And the New York area scene, you know, we had like the hardcore scene, which is like Sunday matinees at at um at CBGB's, which was pretty much our home base for the band. Like we played there like twice a month before we got a record deal. Um, and we slugged it on. We were like, you know, we pretty much strayed from that scene because Richie just wanted to do his own thing. He wanted, he wanted a, a rock band more, you know, instead of like, you know, j- just trying to like be something he would, he would, you know, where he came from. So basically, you know, we ended up playing with all these bands, like, you know, that, <coughs> which like system of a down we played with um like one year we like played right before like eminem at, on warp tour and and we played with uh probably our, you know one of our closest friends is papa roach they opened up for us at cbgb's and literally like two weeks later they were all over T- trl blowing up last resort everywhere and then um which is pretty funny is that there's this like k-rock this, this station in town called k-rock right and there's a rock station they played you know all that new like new music like corn papa roach lincoln park all that stuff and papa roach was blown up they were playing up 
it was literally like they played CBGBs. Next thing they're playing this like humongous, you know, venue called Hammerstein Ballroom, right? And it's like Snapcase, Alien Air, Alien Air Form, Papa Roach, right? So I come walking into the show. And I don't even know if they rem- remember us, you know. We were cool with them after the show. We hung out and stuff. And then I come walking in. The band's being interviewed, like, right in the um, – as soon as you walk in. And Jacoby the singer was like, hey, what's up, brother? And, and like, totally remember me. And we're shoot- shooting the shit. And he's, like, literally in the middle of the interview. And he's like, he's like, did you guys finish recording? I go, yeah. Like, you want, you want a CD? He's like, yes, give it to me. We got our own label. So I give it to him, right? So we're watching a show, right? And I'm like watching a show from kind of like the balcony. And it was like probably like one of the last songs. And he stopped the song and he put like a spotlight on me, right? And he pointed at me. He goes, yo, everyone here, this is Renee Mata from Reach. His band is fucking amazing. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, that was fucking crazy. <laughs> Holy shit. Especially... It's- I'll say, especially for at that time too, especially with Papa Roach like coming out with you know you had uh, Last Run on there. I'm trying to think which other song was on there that was really popular. It's blanking on me right now. Uh, God, I can't think of it right now. Like, Shit, it's home, a uh, last resort. They they were just like had hit after hit. Uh, yeah, it was it was somewhere. All of a sudden, it was like they just kind of just blew up out of nowhere. But I mean, they've been working very hard. But it's just of course, when it comes to just bands, all of a sudden they just have that one song that just connects with almost everybody. Is an absolute smash on the radio. It seems like they come out of nowhere. So, like you said, they're opening for you guys at CBGBs, and all of a sudden now they're playing this massive ballroom within like the span of shit might have been a couple of weeks. And then, it was literally like a, like a, maybe a month. You're like, holy! Next, they were like playing on top of a uh, like you know how like. Basically, back then, um, they'd have the MTV Music Awards at uh, Radio City Music Hall. And, like, all, like, the band of the moment about the break would play above, like, the entrance of Radio City Music Hall, right? So, like, the Foo Fighters one year played, and then they introduced a new guitarist, and Pat Smear left. So, so they got that coveted spot on, 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 uh, that year on, on, on the MTV Music Awards. So, like, play that spot, and then also play New Year's Eve. So they were like, we were like, holy shit, we literally just... They just literally opened up for us, and next thing you know, they were you know blown up. Yeah, and then take a look at where they're at right now because they went through their they went through that uh, their initial period of just being massive, especially in the early mid to mid two thousands. Then all of a sudden, in twenty fifteen, when uh, Fear came out, it was like the band had come back once again because that album was a smash hit. And it seems like whatever they're like right now, they're becoming more and more popular once again. Especially with their I'm trying to think with the guy there, uh, Jaris. I think it was Jaris Johnson. I think his name is. Yeah. I mean, like they're starting. Like they're starting to do stuff with him, and it's just keeping them not only just relevant, but just keeping them fresh. No, those guys are like Jacoby has to be the most underrated frontman in the world because I've seen him blow away humongous like bands. Like seriously, he's just so incredible. The band's so incredible live, and he, you know, he's been such a good friend like through the years. Like they put us on our first tour, and you know, when back in two thousand, you know, three after we, we finished our first record on Lava and we, we you know, we had our name, it was, it was called Reach 454. And we basically changed the Reach on NYC. It was, we're always like, we're, you know, we're Reach from the NYC and we couldn't, you know, uh, Reach was just too hard to like, you know, there was like so many things that own Reach, like Reach Toothbrush, Reach all the, so it was like hard to get like that, you know, to get that name. So that's yeah. why we had 454 and we just, you know what? The label like had us change it to like some that name, and we just were never really into it. So we just like you know what, when we come back, let's just be a reach from NYC because we're always saying, hey, reach from the NYC. 
Yeah, so just kind of put it together and then all of a sudden everyone's going to know about it. But it also just speaks of volumes about your band that just, you know, you guys have this connection with Papa Roach that has spanned, you know, I mean, multiple decades at this point. And it's just there's a consistent connection. I mean, even on one of your uh, first songs you came out with since coming back, you end up having Jacoby Shaddix featured on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, you know, if he was a garbage man, he'd still be like one of my best friends. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we just he's such a good dude. And like all those guys, I mean, their drummer, Dave Buckner, who they're still good friends with, who, who was a drummer in the band. He's one of my best friends. I pretty much talk to him like every other day. And Jacoby, I talk to like every other day. We're like, we're definitely family. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, we'll stay in my house like every time he's in New York. It's just, we're family. And that's very important too to have because you're going to have these different connections where you're going to see many different people that, you know, are playing the same style of music or playing the same kind of genre that you are, especially just going to different shows. You guys are going to have that connection overall. But just having that consistent family feel between the two of you, between, you know, either you and Jacoby, you and the rest of the band as well. And I mean, even back at that up to, you know, from them to you, man, I'm starting to ramble on here a little bit. But just that connection is going to end up giving this more family vibe to you're going to always have that support system no matter what. And then when it comes to your music and if you're trying to, you know, maybe work on something that might be a little bit, you know, out of the box. Heck, you can always go to those guys and they're going to give you their complete honest opinion in a constructive kind of way. and you know they're going to give it to you with the most amount of sincerity possible. Honestly, they're asking for my opinion all the time. So Really? I've definitely had a few hits. Like, not in my band, but, you know. So, you know, so, so basically after um, it all went, you know, like we got dropped and, you know, um, my wife was pregnant. I got a job doing A&R at Columbia. I pretty much worked in music the whole time. So I'm um, like, you know, I got a, I got a bunch of band signed. Um, the last platinum record band I got signed was uh, Lovely the Band. Really? You know that song Broken? Yeah. Uh, so I got them the record deal. Nice. And they went double platinum. Nice. And and then all, and now you're back making music and hopefully that we can get you one of those. I mean, we'll see because I know record sales and the way that it's kept right now, it's really hard to get like a platinum record, especially with as like a rock band or a metal band. But it is possible. So you never know if you're you, you're taking all these different kind of ideas. Y'all send you never know, come out with a brand new record. It could be an absolute smash. Yes, we're definitely, you know, you know what? This time around, I'll tell you what's different. is that we don't have that pressure on us to be like, we're not like a bunch of young guys trying to conquer the world. You know, we're all pretty much married with kids and, you know, I got an awesome career. But our love in music is just, it's just like, you know, you know, we have so much fun playing together, you know? And like, I've lost so many close friends in the past few years and you know we don't take it for granted you know we, we have when we get together it's like when i get together with everyone in the band and, and it's richie cipriano on guitar dante renzi on drums nick cavanaro on guitar and danny martinez on bass like we like literally it's like bowling night with the boys we're like having the most incredible time laughing our asses off like 85 million inside jokes i mean it's like you know like like we've been like locked away when we're out like with our bros you know what i'm saying and it's just a good time and we're not trying to conquer the world and i think you could see the sincerity in our music that way um and and we're just doing it for all for the love of music at this point you know it's not like they're are like we gotta go play like we're doing it because we love music and we love to play in front of people and we love to play with our friends and that's i mean how we got back together was like basically you know my, my boys in POD were, you know, playing a bunch of shows in the area. And Marcos 
from PRD, um, you know, was just, it's one of my closest friends. And, and he, um, you know, after, you know, my, my close friend um, passed away in 2017, like suddenly. It was really, you know, really jarring and sudden. And, um, you know, he was a singer in, you know, one of the bands that, you know, all we all, all came up with, you know. Um, my, my buddy Chester Bennington, he was one of my best friends in the world. And obviously he was a singer in one of the biggest bands in the world, right? But to me, it wasn't Chester Bennington singer in Lincoln Park. He was my bro. He was my, my homie. I talked to him every day. And to get news that, you know, he had, you know, passed on was like, was, I was like, he's supposed to be at my house next week. What the fuck is going on? You know what I'm saying? This was not like, I mean, literally like I FaceTimed on Saturday. He said, happy birthday to my niece on Saturday. He was like doing that carpool karaoke. Tuesday, we talked. He, he told me, you know, he's going to go away for a few days with, with uh, his family to Arizona. And then, you know, I was going to call him Thursday. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going to be with him all next week. You know, I'll just, you know, I'll talk to him, you know. And I didn't get a chance to be with him that, that week. So it, I was, uh, you know, it was a few years after. And I was, in, it was so depressed. It was like, you know really hard on my soul um yeah it, it is hard to talk about sometimes but but it's like you know what um he, he was one of my best friends and it was like some rock star it was it was just like he was my brother so like to have him like you know i was literally in a meeting at sony at rca when I looked at my phone and I saw like missed calls by everybody you know. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And I literally got a phone call from. Uh, I picked up the phone. It was my friend Rob Caggiano. He's a guitarist in Volbeat, and he was just like, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck are you talking about? What's going on? It's like, dude, you haven't seen the TV. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? And he like paused. You know, Chester killed himself. I go, I mean. Sony and like my offset at the time, it was just like across the park. You know what I'm saying? Like two blocks. It was the longest walk ever. I was like calling Chester's phone. It was ringing. I was like, motherfucker, answer your fucking phone. It was, it was, you know. So anyways, it was definitely tough on me. It was tough on my family seeing me like this, you know. It's tough on my friends seeing me completely broken up about him. And Marcos just was like, dude, get your boys back together and open up for us. Sorry, man. Um, and he was just like, open up for us. Let's have a good time. You know, let's put smiles on people's faces. And, uh, you know, we played a few shows with him, and that's how it just kicked off. And next thing you know, uh, you know, we got a little little EP deal with The Orchard, and we're putting out music again during the COVID. So, <laughs> I mean, it's uh, – you know what? He was one of my biggest fans, and one of the stories is one of when we first our first tour was Papa Roach, right? And literally the next week, like after I said let's, you know, I said yes to Jacoby bringing us on tour. Chester called me up, was like, "Dude, you guys got to open up for us." And I go, "I just said yes to Jacoby." He's like, "Motherfucker!" <laughs> and this is like, I mean, that summer we made. We made our record, the Reach 454 record, 
and they made Meteora at the same studio at the same time. Me and Chester planned it so we could hang out all summer, right? So, like, when I was cutting my vocals, Chester pretty much, you know, produced and, you know, and and stayed with me doing all my vocals on that record. I mean, and I had blown, you know, it was my first record. I was blowing out my voice left and right. You know, I was just, you know, used to, like, I wasn't used to, like, singing, like, 10 hours a day and shit, you know? And, you know, he coached me through that whole thing when he was supposed to be making his record. I'm, you know, I mean, the guy was just, you know, like a brother. And, you know, for a, there's a little while um, in between, like for a few years, we weren't in contact with. But like the last few years of life, it's like I felt like I just got my friend back. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it was just, it was on. You know, we were, we were, we were bros again. We were talking every day. You know, we'd stay at my house. We just, we're brothers, you know? We'd plan, right. you know, hang out, to, you know, all the time. Um, I mean, the guy picked me up from LA airport, you know? Like, nobody does that for people. <laughs> LAX, the worst airport in the world. Oh, I can, I can, I can agree with that. I have gone through there once. I was just like, so many friends have said, just take an Uber. Um, yeah, I'm not going there to pick you up. This guy <laughs> comes and picks me up. <laughs> That's kind of what brother is. That's some but, dedication um, right there. So, yeah, so... Um, it to, to say it was you know heartbreaking is like you know it's it's just it was it was definitely devastating you know but i i gotta say the reason i was quiet through the whole entire thing was because i was more mesmerized by the whole entire story due to the fact that there are so many people that i talked to so many people that i've interviewed that have been influenced inspired or really enjoyed lincoln park all the music especially chester's vocals and a lot of us still remember that exact same day and when we first saw the news, because hell, I was at I was at work and people were telling me to go online because there was something else they wanted me to see that day. So I went to Yahoo and it was just blown up on everything, like all these different stories that, that people wanted to see. And it was like, yeah, we'll go read that. And then I'm just looking in the corner and I saw the little like little blurb on it. And I just kind of sat there and just and they're like, click on it, click on it. And I just wouldn't move because I just was so stuck on just the fact that I, I was in shock in that kind of moment because it was there's someone that. I kind of grew up with in terms of like listening to music that was now gone all of a sudden we, and it was, it just didn't feel right. It didn't feel like it was a thing, but all of a sudden days, a couple, like two days later, all of a sudden it just kind of sank in. But the difference is, is why I wanted to hear your story and really just listen to it was because with everybody else I've talked to, we all have been impacted by it, but we really don't get to see how it impact people that were the closest to him and to see how much of that positive impact he had, not only on the people he was close to, but then kind of connect with us and how we connected to his music, connected to Linkin Park's music. Because for so many people, just to get into that, just to get into any sort of rock or metal, especially from like, you know, 2001, honestly, like 2008, 2009, Linkin Park is going to be a part of it. Chester Bennington is going to be a part of it. So whenever you think about it, I mean, hell, I was in uh, Croatia in 2019. I was kind of... I was on a boat and we were traveling to this mile in the middle of the Adriatic Sea and I had my mini speaker with me and people were talking. I'm just like, well, what can I put on that people are going to want to listen to that everyone's going to vibe to? And I'm like, okay, I'll just shuffle Lincoln Park and see what happens. And as we're getting to the end of the, the boat trip, getting close to the dock, in the end is playing and we're right about to get to the chorus and my speaker cuts out. And everyone on the boat is singing the chorus along with us. And I'm just like, <laughs> holy shit. But that was also kind of a like another surreal moment as well, just because again you're seeing how much of an impact this guy had on people's lives for the positive, and you're seeing how much his life still has an impact on so many people. 
I mean, now I'm taking a look at the picture in the background. I can see Chester's face right there as well above your uh, Motley Crue final two or drum head. Yeah, um, that's one of, one of, you know, one of my favorite pictures of us in New York City, me and him. A big ass smile. He always had a he always had a big ass smile though. I mean, you know what? It, it was it was so surprising because he's like the kind of guy that literally would walk in a room and you'd be inspired to be a better person. He's just that loving guy. Like, I mean, I've literally seen fans going up while he's eating and be like, "No, it's okay." And um, you know, his mother told me a story of how, like, you know, um, basically, you know, one time they were at a they went to Disney World, and you know all, you know, no one really bothered him. But like, they went to like a yoga place, and the next thing you know, there's like, you know, two hundred kids out there wanting autographs and stuff. But I've, <laughs> I've seen this before, you know, and and, and I, 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 like his son was like, "Really, Dad? All these people?" And he, he's like, "Listen, you're gonna sit sit with me here, kid, and you're gonna watch because these people, if it wasn't for these people, you wouldn't have the life you have. That's the kind of guy you would have. He was." That's what he told his son. You wow. wouldn't have the life you have if it wasn't for these people. And I've seen him stop eating, take pictures. Stop do anything, taking pictures. I mean, literally, like, um, when he stayed over at my house, um, you know, he had a nice swank hotel room in the city, you know, at Soho Grand, the whole deal, beautiful, you know, all hooked up. And he's like, hey, man, can I just stay? I'm like, dude, you don't even have to ask your family. You can stay in my house, right? So, but I was like, my, my in-laws are here and they, they got the guest room. So, so you're literally going to have to sleep in my daughter's room. My daughter's going to sleep on a cot in my, in my room. Right. <laughs> so literally like, you know, Chester stayed in, in like my daughter's purple princess room at the time. <laughs> but, um, you know, he was like my biggest fan. Like, like I said, he always supported me. Like even when I wasn't in a band, he's always, always trying my wife just walked in. I'm on a podcast. Um, and, uh, so basically, uh, where was I? Oh, so he, he would like, he'd always try to be like, you know, we should play music again. Or like, be like, man, we guys should just put, get the band back together. Like the last time I saw him, he was like, I don't want to do this humongous concert with like corn, Deftones, Link, you know, obviously Lincoln Park, corn, Deftones, Papa Roach, P.O.D., Limp Biscuit, like this whole crazy lineup. He's like, and you you guys reach 44, open up. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> how did I get corralled in this? Always <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how he was because he always, you know, he always loved the song Six Years. And then um, we put out this kind of like, I was writing music, but not taking it so seriously. And we had this project called Berlin After Midnight. It was like really alternative, more like killers and vibe like that. And um, we never did, like, we, we put out two songs, and basically we never, you know, we didn't put pictures of, of ourselves. We just had four quotes, right? And quote one was Mark Ronson. Quote two was Chester Bennington. Quote, quote three was Matt Pinfield. Quote four was Jacoby Shaddix. I mean, completely elected. Like, Mark Ronson's, like, humongous pop star, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Punk. And it's like, and then Chester the biggest rock band, one of the biggest rock bands in the world. And, you know, Matt Pinfield, legendary, you know, VJ and MTV and obviously Jacoby from Opera. So it was pretty funny, like getting quotes from all of them. That's all we did was put out the quotes and two songs. 
That's incredible, especially the fact that, I mean, not only that, but just because you, of course, you have Chester and Jacoby, but then you have two different people from two different realms within the music industry to put quotes on top of that. It just, that's going to connect with a much wider audience on that fact. All of a sudden, people are going to see Mark Ronson, especially after the success of Uptown Funk, because honestly, for me, I listen to rock and metal all the time, but I know Mark Ronson because of Uptown Funk. That's it. So there's definitely that connection there where I'd see the name. I'd been like, oh, I know what he did. So, you know, I'm, I was, you know, I've been blessed after like, you know, the band first broke up to be working in the music business and, you know, definitely getting, you know, being a part of a lot of cool things. You know, my main jobs, I work at this company called AAM and I manage a bunch of, you know, um, amazing producers and uh, mixers and writers. And, you know, I've been doing that for a few years, but I also do, I always do a consultant and get band signed, you know, um, I'm working with this band called Death Rocks that this guy's like on the edge of blowing up. I mean, I mean this guy was unsigned with 50 million streams. Um, opened up, we, you know, I had the guy, he opened up for Rolling Stones and did a, a, a stadium tour in Europe with Muse, unsigned. How is that possible that this guy is not signed, especially well, for time now? Muse but, but and, yeah, was, but at the time, like you're opening for Muse and Rolling and the Rolling Stones. Yes. And you're not signed? Like, who the heck is running this stuff that's not noticing this? You know what? I mean, listen, man, there's a lot of bands that got passed on. And this guy, you know, this he's this guy's a special artist. But getting back to, like, the reach stuff. But, you know, that's what I've been doing. But, I mean, again, that takes a – it gives us a look into what you've been doing since the initial disbandment of the band all of a sudden getting back together. So seeing how everything you've done has been connected to, you know, get back that inspiration, get back – that feeling of wanting to make music again and really coming out with, I mean, so far, I think it was three, three rather strong songs in my opinion as well. But one thing you said earlier was one thing that really picked up my mind was the fact that you feel like you don't have to conquer the world and that you're doing this just purely out of the love for it. And the pressure on anything else is completely gone. So you have the time, you have the capability to create these songs the way you want to create them. And you don't have like some pressure of something like, okay, it's got to be done by this time and it's got to be up by this day. So you don't have to rush anything and you can let the inspiration kind of flow over you and you can work and experiment with many different things. Cause all of a sudden you, maybe you want to try something where you think about, you, you want to put some funk inspiration in there. All right, let's, you can explore that avenue. You can see how it works without any sort of pressure where if it works, Hey, it works. If it doesn't, well, then on to the next idea. You know what? We actually do have those deadlines now. <laughs> Oh, you do? It's just like this. All right. So our last single, Last Surrender, came out um, like a week and a half ago, right? And I completely thought it was going to be April 16th and not like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whatever it was. I, I just thought it was next month. And then my good friend's like, hey, man, happy release week. I go, who's release? He's like, your release. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. Our new song's coming out. I don't have, I thought it was like next month. So um, we actually, we're, we're doing a video for this song right now, uh, this kid, Boy Epic. Um, this amazing director, his name is Boy Epic. He actually is, I just actually got him a record deal too with Lava Records, who we were on, Lava Republic Records. Um, so he, he, he's, been, he's doing all our videos for life. <laughs> <laughs> I say it feels, it feels like, especially with the story that you talk with Chester, about Chester with always being appreciative of the people that, you know, have also got you there and also people that you're connected with. I mean, I mean, like you said, like how many different bands have you been connected with or working with that you've helped further in their career as well? That's just going to be something that's going to come back, you know, back to you only in the positive where 
you're going to be the guy that people are going to want to work with. You're going to be the guy that people respect. And all of a sudden that like with Chester, you're going to walk into a room and they're going to be inspired to be better people and inspired to better their craft every step of the way. No, you know, one of the things I definitely want to use this, you know, you know, coming back and vehicle for is like, you know, definitely talking about mental health and all the stuff that a lot of artists and a lot of people like, you know, regular people struggle with, you know, which is like mental health issues and addiction and alcoholism, you know, and like a lot of our basis for the songs are like my lyrics, obviously, and they're, they're you know, they're, they're, you know, pretty much all three of them are battles, you know, with like, you know, mental health, depression and, and alcoholism and, you know, and addiction. And that's why I like, especially last surrender as well, because I have gone through some of those moments in, in my life, specifically back in 2017, I went through a massive amount of depression. And one of the things that helped me get out of that and kind of keep me positive was music. And it was just somewhere, it was the one thing that no matter what, if, if I was having a good day, bad day, and it, or if it was just the worst day possible ever, it was like the one thing I could turn to that I could potentially have for a positive I mean, hell, there was a point in time where, like, I just didn't know what the hell to do, and I didn't want to listen to my favorite band anymore because the depression kind of overtook that. And I literally said, fuck it, I got to find a way to get this back. So I went to go and see them live, and it was just something where it was just transcendent. It was well, just like I, I forgot about everything that was bad in life for an hour and a half. And it was just something where, again, listening to the last run, it's like I can kind of relate back to that moment and how that was my time where I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not giving up at, at, on this anymore. Like if this is how I feel at a live show, why can't I get this feeling back in my normal everyday life? That's awesome. It, it was, I, I gotta say, that's why I'm, that's why I'm always big on like, you know, pushing to get live music back because it's just, I, for a lot of people out there, including myself, probably including you as well, especially being on stage, it's something where it's especially mental health wise. It's that escape from everything else in life. It's just an it's an escape from negativity in a way. Through the fact that whenever people are going to see a show, people are all there to see at least one of the bands that's on the bill. It doesn't I matter. Mean, if, I was say it doesn't matter if it's the opener or if it's the headliner. It doesn't matter. But everyone is there because they have a positive connection with that with one of those bands in some capacity. So it's just that flow of positivity just makes everything great. I mean, literally, live music is like such a humongous part of my life. I mean. Working in music and just having so many friends in music, I mean, the amount of shows that I'd have to go to during a week was just so overwhelming. Sometimes I'd literally be like, do you just want to take my name and go and just send me pictures so I can pretend I was there? I don't <laughs> think I could get to another show this week. It's insane. But now I'm just like, I mean, literally the, only, the last show I saw before the pandemic hit was me, me and Rob Cajano actually went to see Silver Sun Pickups. And it was like our last show before. And the only, the music, only live music I've seen is my daughter who was in School of Rock, who's like this incredible singer. But it's, it's like amazing. But like, I haven't seen anything. Oh, and I saw my friend Jesse Mallon do a live stream. And this artist I work with, Devorah, do a live stream. But it was like, you know, a club with like me and two, three other people. Yeah, I, I, I understand that as well. Because the last, before like when the pandemic started, the last show I saw was, it was a tour with The Word Alive, Escape the Fate and Falling in Reverse. But then once the pandemic hit, there were I've seen a couple of shows with some of the bands I've had in the podcast where the shows were maybe, I mean, wide open spaces, but maybe 50 people, maybe 100 at some points. But it was something where I miss live music so much. And these are these bands are trying just to, you know, keep going. And I and I love listening to music. I want to support them any way I can. So yeah. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I live in Milwaukee, and for the first one, I drove down to just outside of Chicago, which, of course, that's not bad. It's like an hour and a half. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half. I've, it, I've done a trip yeah. Chicago to Milwaukee. Yeah, it's, it's easy. And then the second one I did was uh, up to Green Bay, Wisconsin from Milwaukee. That's like two hours. The third one, it was two bands that I've interviewed before. It was like right after I interviewed them, too. They were playing a show in... <laughs> I don't even remember the name of the town, but it was like, uh, if, if anybody is from Wisconsin, it was a half hour west of Wausau, which is like in the northern central part of the state. It took me three and a half hours to get to the show. There was at a winery. There were maybe 50 people there. Wow. But I was like, you know what? What was that? Who played? Uh, the bands were Relent, The Protest, and then the headliner band was Seventh Day Slumber. Cool. I mean, it's just kind of crazy there was even shows but like during yeah. this pandemic like yeah like, it was it was it was all very small stuff though because it's just these if these bands were able to get out and go play they were going to go play and i'm like well i like i miss live music i want to see them but that last that one happened in september i haven't seen any sort of live show since september and i'm like i'm it's april right now like i've got the itch like i need to go out and see the live show i need to get into a mosh but i need to break something here well you know what like i always love like that part of like you know um, the country when we would get to like you know Milwaukee like we'd always play that I think the Ravens Club it was like yep. place. we play we played there a bunch of times Evanescence Papa Roach I mean so many times and then um, we play Chicago is always like one of the best cities for us too I mean even like on Spotify Chicago Chicago is like our number one song on every every song number one city is Chicago but we, we definitely and yeah Chicago Milwaukee definitely big rock towns. Yeah, it's 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 somewhere it's like the concert you're saying like oh you know I'm looking like rock you know the song's not that popular I'm like you should guys should go to a show because there are multiple times where especially at the rave because they got the three like the you got the ballroom you got the club level you got the basement down below there's multiple other side stages around but those are your three main ones mm-hmm. I've seen times where it's just it, they'll put the rock metal bands they'll put like the metalcore bands in the basement stage and they've got like the pop artists up top. Yet there are more people that are trying to get into the basement stage because it's like, we want to go see this show. Cause that happened to me in November of 2019. Cause luckily I got my ticket real early because I forgot what pop artists they had up top. They had some other artists in the middle, but in the bottom was it was awake and last was opening. They had light the torch fit for a King and the headliner was ice nine kills. Oh. And I was just like, it was, there were people trying to get in left and right. I'm just like, Holy shit. How the hell does this happen? <laughs> how do we fit all these people in this one basement? And by the time show started first, show ended last. Damn. Yeah, I definitely love the Ravens Club. What's that station? JJO in Madison? Uh, WJJO, yeah, in Madison, yeah. That, that that station was always good to us. We played a few radio shows for them back in the day. Yeah, it was always a great part of, you know, the country for us. Yeah, I've always got a little bit of a soft spot for WJJO because that concert that I talked about where I was like I was super depressed, but I wanted to go see my favorite band. It was they had it was like the last year of their JJO Sonic Boom Festival in Janesville, Wisconsin. They had it at the little Janesville airport. They just had two stages right next to each other in the like literally in the middle of the airport on the runway. It's like, yeah, you guys just go have fun. And <laughs> I, I I got there and I was camped out at this one stage. Stone Sour is playing on the next stage, and I'm just like, nope, I'm not going. I'm like, I need to be as close as possible for this and just enjoy it. All of a sudden, Stone Sour ends. Huge migration of people. Everyone just comes from the left over to the right. I'm like, I'm holding my ground. I'm sitting here. And next, and all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, let's just wait for it. And then Rise Against goes on. And I'm just, I'm in, I'm just in heaven at that point. Awesome. <laughs> but like, when it comes to like, especially this area of the country too, because I love going down to Chicago to see shows, just because it's, it's, it's the exact same feel, except there's a lot more people there, and oh. there's so many different crazy venues there too. Like I, like we mentioned with Riot Fest earlier, 
Because I was I was there in 2019. It was like every stage was absolutely packed for the seven o'clock shows. Because that was uh, the headliner that the night I was there was there. It was of course like 9:30. It was like Slayer. So of course everyone was gonna go pay attention to that. But it was during their like the shows that were right before Slayer. Every stage was packed with people. Like <laughs> it didn't matter. Every like it was full capacity. People are people are just packed into like like literally a can of sardines, and everyone loved it every step of the way. Oh, I mean. Listen, the last time I was in Chicago was uh, Lollapalooza, and I was just there for two days, right? And it was I went there to go see the Strokes play, and um, yeah, I got Albert Hammond Jr. signed to uh, the guitarist from the Strokes signed to um, Red Bull Records. So I was going there. I was seeing, checking out this. Uh, I was doing an AR consultant for Lava Records, and also Death, I had Death Rocks playing there, and Death Rocks played like three shows that day, two in Lollapalooza, and then. You play when opened up for uh, Bring Me the Horizon. Oh God, that's awesome! We played two uh, Lollapalooza shows, Bring Me the Horizon. Then I had this guy, this kid Evan Conrad, who's this incredible singer. Um, he played Lollapalooza, and then he played another show that was like, like right next to like, um, the Metro. Okay, it was like a bar next to the Metro. He played so I literally like was watching. The strokes on the side of the stage, you're like, oh, shoot, I got to go check out these other shows. <laughs> I left and went to go to those other shows. But it was an incredible night. I remember I got there, like, Death Cab for Cutie was playing at, like, the Metro, like, some the small, you know, obviously a small place for them to play. It was just incredible. So many awesome bands. Had, just, like, two days I was there. But, you know, it was, it was, it was awesome. And that's what, I'm, that's what I'm looking forward to, so many festivals coming back as well, just because seeing all the bands that are going to be tied to these lineups, I'm just thinking – I'm thinking like I'm having the same problem where all of a sudden, okay, this ba- these bands are all playing at this time. How the heck am I get a chance to see every single one of them? I mean, look at the amount of amazing shows that got canceled in 2020. Rage Against the Machine, like, like Corn and, and Faith No More, just like insane, like you know, My Chemical Romance, like all these bands that you want to see that that haven't played in so long. Just so many. And I had tickets to so many of those shows, and I, even the ones that got postponed. Still got the tickets. The ones that got canceled, I got the refunds for, but I still got the tickets up because I'm like, ah, man. <laughs> but I think you know, when live music comes back, it's going to come back, but, you know, huge. That, that's that's what I'm hoping for. And it's going to be, I keep saying this, it's going to come to a point in time where my bank account and my wallet are going to be like, Kevin, please stop this because <laughs> I'd be going to like three, four shows a week yeah, based on the fact cold, that, brother. yeah, based on the fact that I just, <laughs> it's like, I've been to a show for a whole year at this point. Come on, let me live. <laughs> cool. but but that's something i'm looking forward to as well and i mean like you like with uh what you said uh you know you guys had some festival lineups that you were looking at are you still on those lineups right now um the one i could definitely confirm is that um september we're on incarnate in uh incarnation in ohio is it the uh incarceration the one at the um, incarceration, like, sorry I keep on calling it incarnation <laughs> incarceration <laughs> yeah yeah, because I looked at, I th- I'm trying to think I remember the lineup for that one. I think the only band I can remember that was on the lineup for that one, I think, was Motionless and White. But, I mean, I, mean, the line, I don't style. think they'll announce it yet. But I know the lineup the year before that got canceled was, it was like Papa Roach, Weezer, Link-182, Limp Biscuit. It was like really eclectic, like, you know, awesome lineup. Oh, oh yeah. Because I, I, I remember looking at it, too, I'm like, my God, how the hell am I not going to get there? But then it was something, I think... Yeah, I think it was the same week that incarceration happened. It was like, oh, you know, I had something else to do, but I went to a show 
like that midweek beforehand here at the rave. And I was so excited because I was like, I, it was a uh, mice and men was open. I'm like, I want to go see a mice and men. This is going to be awesome. Oh. And then I find out a half hour before the show that of mice and men couldn't play that night because Aaron Pauly got sick. And I'm like, okay, this will be interesting. And it was it, it the hottest I've ever been in at the rave. It was like 95 degrees outside, super humid. There's no AC in the ballroom. Nothing. Horrifying. <laughs> it was, it was incredibly hot and humid and I'm like, okay, I'll stick around for the headliner. And it was Evanescence and they played two whole hours. And in that show, cause I've never been the biggest Evanescence fan. It's just not my style. I gained, I, I have so much more respect for Amy Lee because she put on one hell of a show with how like just all the energy, all the power behind her vocals with how hot and humid it was for two whole hours. Just didn't relent. I'm just thinking, how in the hell did you pull that off? I'm like, that's massive respect right there. She's awesome. And we opened up for them on that first tour and she, it was just so incredible. And I got to see her a few years um, back when they did like that, like whole symphonic thing. My, my good friend, um, Will Hunt is a drummer for Evanescence. So, um, and my daughter is just like, it's one of her favorite bands, but it wasn't when we saw them. And now it's turned into one of our favorite bands. I'm like, you met this girl. We got pictures with her. You like, I don't want to go to the show. Next, you know, it's your favorite band. <laughs> that seems to, that seems to happen a lot, though. I know some people are like, no, I never want to listen to this band. All of a sudden, two months later, it's like, hey, man, remember when I told you I never want to listen to that band? You, you don't yeah. even know. I hear her singing Evanescence all day long. And I'm just like, remember when you met them? You didn't want to go to the show. It was a Saturday. Like, I don't want to go to see this band. And now she, like, loves them. Because even after listening to their latest album, I was listening to them. I'm just like, I like it, but I'm finding little bits where I'm like, I'm not necessarily liking it for myself. However, some of those pieces that I wasn't the biggest fan, I'm like, listening to that album potentially live the whole way through, that could be one of the best live albums of all time, just with how powerful Emily's vocals could just take over the whole entire album with the backing instrumentals. I'm like, put that live, that could be one of the most like transcendent experiences ever. Yeah, she's an incredible singer, awesome person, like so much you know respect for them. And my drum, my friend who's a drummer, I mean, he's one of the sick, tr sickest drummers out there. Will Hunt, insane. His drums sound insane on the record. That was one thing that I was really uh, pleased with on the bitter truth. I was like, man, those, because I've, I've drummed as a kid. So that's always like, I've got a soft spot for it. And I was just listening. I'm like, man, this is the way that some of the stuff that he does with the drums is how they progress the song for with all the emotion. I'm just thinking, man, I wish I could still do that or I could do that anyway. But I mean, cause I could just, I mean, me drumming as a 14 year old, that was never that I could never do anything that technical. <laughs> I was just breaking drum heads most of the time and distorting symbols because I just would hit it so hard. <laughs> cool. But, but that's my style. And now you can tell why I don't have a drum kit in here because my landlord would probably kill me. Probably. Even if I had like one of those e-kits, they'd be like, will you stop banging on that so loud? I'd be like, I can't help it, man. <laughs> hey, you can get one of those little kits that you don't hear. I have to like soundproof this whole room to get a chance at that because again, I want that. I, I broke cymbals. I distorted them. I flipped them up. I, I smashed multiple drum heads just out of nowhere. I I'm pretty sure that even with like a soft e kit, I would potentially just make a just a whole bunch of noise like out of nowhere. <laughs> cool. Well, you know. Playing music is always good for the soul. You don't even have to be a professional music. Just playing always helps. Okay. It is in it. And again, it's um when it comes to Reach NYC as well, as you got right now, you got three brand new songs out there over the past couple of months. Yes. You've got one featuring Jacoby Shattuck, one featuring Mark Morton, and then you've got Last Surrender, which is kind of like the first full on where it's 
yes. just reach NYC once again. So people are getting this this full on feel of the band once again. But also, again, you got the take like with the one with Jacoby Shaddix. I love just how Jacoby Shaddix's vocals kind of intertwine in there. But then I think I still think Last Surrender might be the best out of the three because it just I, it, I'm just seeing, especially with your vocals. I just I love the way they kind of the, they flow. I did do a deep dive into the song. So I'm like, OK, let's just make sure I get this right. I'm looking at my notes. Right? I'm like, yep, yep, I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deep dive? I want to hear it. OK, so um, what I'll start out with. Do you want to start with the instrumentals or the vocals? Because I did both. All right, let me let me hear about the vocals. Okay, vocals. And in the verses, what I found out was when I listened to it, I thought you used like more of these like two different vocal styles. Because in the first half of the verse, you kept it more with this neutral tone, and you played really well in terms of pacing with the overall drive of the instrumentals. So it had this really nice flow to it. But in the second half, you slightly heightened like you know the pitch of the notes that you were trying to sing with, but you sing with more of this melodic style and overall pacing. And for me, this actually really worked out well because we get that consistency on this hard rock track that we're working with, but the nice smooth contrast against that drumming in the second half with the way the pacing is, but then comparing to how the guitar tones are, it's there's a lot of compare and contrast there, but it all pulls everything out to the where the comparison, everything flows nice, but with the contrast, it's the way the vocals are and the way the drums are, it's bringing out both to the forefront. Cool. Um, I'll tell you one thing. It was definitely on purpose. I... Use my mid range on the verses, right? Where it's yeah. like, I'm done, like that kind of like voice, like we're in the middle. And then, you know, I'm bringing it up, but still being melodic and, and you know, on the pre chorus. And then the chorus, it's everything in the kitchen sink coming at you. Yeah, because I was going to go with the chorus, but there's also the part of like a little bit of a pre chorus in there as well, where you kind of play with that same tone that you did in the second half, where you had more of that melodic feel to it in the verses. Yeah. But then you more you played along a little bit more with the pacing of the drums overall, so you kind of just went along with it. But keeping that pacing, you let the drums come in, and then the fill that the drums use at the end to create this more epic feeling of not surrendering, it just all tied in perfectly to when you got to the chorus, where, again, with the chorus, you went more melodic against the pace of the overall song, but it, with that heightened pitch of the vocals, it just kind of all worked out well, because for me, it feels like, you know, we're saying like we're not going to succumb to the surrendering, but with the Meloxal against the faster pace really works well, especially to my liking, because someone that I really like to listen to, again, Rise Against with Tim McGrath, I see him do that a lot where it's like he's got the melodic vocals over the faster instrumentals. So I love to see how that plays out. And because even on my notes, I'm just looking right now, I put very Tim McGrath-esque right here. And I'm just thinking, oh, cool. if I'm putting that on there, you know, I like it. Well, you know what? The one thing I could definitely say is that, well, um, the one thing that... Um, me and Tim have in common is that we both love this this New York City band called Quicksand, right? So he loved actually when I saw I saw him in New York, he he went to a Quicksand concert at Webster Hall. I'm like, oh, that's the dude from Rise Against next to us. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but like this is band. It was a post hardcore band. It's got Walter Shefflis and actually um, Sergio uh, Sergio uh, is also the bass player in Deftones, and, and he's a bass player in Quicksand. But yeah, the, the it's kind of like very, I would say, it's like, you know, very, it, besides being edgy, but like very angular, the guitar, you know, like, you know how like, even like Rise Against has that angular tone, like in the, in the guitar chords and stuff, right? Yeah. And I think to have that same angular thing you know, going on with inverted chords and all that stuff going in, not just bar chords, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And especially on like the way the chorus worked, it just worked out over really well overall. And again, because... For me, that's something that I really pick up on without really, again, I picked up on that ever since I was 
and started listening to Rise Against. That was one of the biggest things I really enjoyed about the band. So then always hearing that come in, I'm always like, okay, is that going to hit me very similar to like that hit me or is it going to be something different? And of course, it could be something completely different with a different style, but is it going to hit me with the same feeling in, in an overall way? And of course, like I said, this felt very Tim McGrath-esque right here. So you know it hit me in that positive way. We definitely have both like my band and, and him both have a, a humongous love and respect for quicksand. And you could definitely tell all those angular moves that we're doing with, with the chords. I mean, I think the, the song has, you know, some of the, like amazing drumming by my drummer Dante. And but it's definitely my sickest, my, sickest line my bass player ever came up with. They're like, so like melodic and not following the chords. And then I definitely think both my guitarists, you know, Richie and Nick came up with like some awesome lines. Oh, I think they did too. But when it comes to your vocals, like, cause there was in the bridge of the song, I'm looking at my notes right now to make sure I don't fuck this up because it says big shots of Renee here. So I'm like, okay, let's make sure I get this right. Big shots to you for what you did with the vocals, especially in the first and second half of the overall bridge. Cause in the first half, you kept that melodic pace up with the pitch that you did in the chorus, but then you also kind of sing on par with the changing pace on the drum fills. I'm like, we're getting this building up of energy here. Like we're not going to lose out on whatever is going to try and like force us to surrender. So we're not going to lose that. So again, you're amping up that feeling. You're really creating that like climax moment right there. And then the second half with just the guitar, you drop the tone and you play along with the same pace before jumping back in the chorus. And we get this valley moment that makes us feel like we are realizing that we cannot surrender. We're not going to do that. It's very, it's kind of like a oddly subtle move to make that, but it just works so well with however it kind of goes. You know, you're feeling like you're amping up and all of a sudden you're getting that realization point. And then the chorus comes in. It's just whatever is in your way, whatever is going to try and get you to just give up on whatever you're going to do. It just can't do it anymore. It's you've gotten to that realization, a point where I can, I can beat this. And then the chorus hits for the last time and it's basically vindicated right there. I, it definitely, um, put it this way. It's definitely one on like the, my highest side of my range. You know what I'm saying? I'm definitely full on on full blast hitting those notes. So yeah, it's it's not like the easiest song to sing line. It's definitely on like, you know, on the cusp of, of my my vocal range. But when that song comes on live, especially for people that hear it, are really going to potentially get into it and really just feel that moment. Oh, that's going to be. Great. Yeah, I cannot wait to sing that song live. It's going to be that bridge moment where all of a sudden people are going to just really feel the power of it and get inspired to potentially look at their lives right at that moment, find that moment that is making or find that thing, find that person that is feel like they're just going to make them, you know, give up, surrender, whatever they want to do. And at that moment, they're going to realize it. And then they're going to hear that chorus last time. And it's going to be the inspiration for them to keep going and just to not give up on whatever's trying to basically pull them back, push them down, whatever it might be. That's awesome. I'm glad you got that out of that song. And well, not only that, but I think there's going to be a lot of people that are going to get that out of the song, not only just through the title, but just listening to the lyrics and listening to the emotions, because like we had said earlier, and like you said earlier, when you're talking about writing music now, focusing more on uh, mental health aspects, especially after this pandemic, so many of us have gone through certain emotions, different emotions that we've never felt before, yeah. and maybe some different mental health issues due to this, or even before this, it could have been either or, but what's going to happen is, is we've realized this a lot more so that we're more in touch with it. And when we listen to these songs, we can feel it, we can relate to it. Not basically, you know, maybe the exact same way you would relate to it, but we can relate to the overall emotion behind it. And we're able to relate to that. Then we're able to kind of put our own twist on it, get inspired in our own way. And then it's going to be one of those powerful things where you're going to play this live and you could potentially be seeing someone in the front row just, and I've seen it before too at shows, 
just bawling their eyes out, crying and singing along, kind of having their hand out, like just really feeling that moment. And it could be an absolute life changing moment right there. Well, I, I am, uh, you know, I, I want to, you know, like, like I said, you know, music for me is like about, you know, really helping people and putting smile, smiles on people's faces. It's not about me trying to be a rock star or make any money. You know, I'm cool with that. I don't need that in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it happens, it happens, but it's not my main goal in life. You know, right now it's just, you know, spread, you know, love, you know, like, and like really, you know, inspire people to be better. And, you know, I'm like saying like, yo, it's all right not to be perfect. You know, it's okay to feel that way, but you know, you don't have to take your life. You don't have to do that. You know, it, you, it's a feeling and a little pass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's one of those things where whatever you're for people that are potentially going through stuff right now, when it comes down to it, it's there. You're going to, you might feel a certain way where you might feel lost, lonely, listen to music for one thing, because there are so many artists, there are so many people who have gone through the very similar things in terms of the emotions. And a lot of times, especially what I think with artists is they put, you know, we all know they put their own selves, they put their own stories, their own emotions into these songs, but you're going to be able to potentially relate to these in some way here, potentially, you know, be able to understand them a little bit more, get inspired a little bit more and maybe potentially, start to heal in that moment. Or one other thing I've been saying is when you listen to certain songs, you're able to start feeling and understanding how to describe your emotions so that if you're going to need help and you turn to the people that you trust the most, because trust me on this, turn to the people you trust the most, because even though if you might be thinking you might potentially be like, Oh, it could be a burden on them. Trust me. They would much rather hear about your problems and try and help you through this instead of not hearing about them and then wishing they could do something later. Trust me on this. I've seen this before. I've done this before. I lived through it with, with obviously the yeah. know, Chester was, you know, I had, you know, a few friends that, you know, committed suicide. They were like, not even like just friends were like brothers. Like, you know, um, this guy, Chris Logan, he was like one of my best friends and through high school, you know, we had, we just had a kid and, um, married had a kid and you know he killed himself and i mean it was like out of nowhere you know what i'm saying it was just like what the and i, I don't think i ever really got over that and then when chester you know um passed it, i think i just everything just hit me all at once you know what i'm saying yeah no it was you know I, I was like why didn't i know you know that's what i was asking myself and why you know I should have called him that night. You know, I know I could have made a difference and it just it was a lot of emotions, you know, and I, I was in a really, you know, it really fucked with my head and I was in a depression. I was, you know, I missed my friend. I was hating myself for like, I should have called him that night, you know, um, you know, like, why didn't I know shit like that? Like he's, you know, we talked every day. How, how did I not know this? You know, um, so yeah, it was like definitely a lot of emotions and, you know, I, th I think it definitely came out and, you know, putting out this music and, you know, really, you know, trying to, you know, spread that message of, you know, it's okay not to be okay. No, ab absolutely. That's again, with the whole entire pandemic too, we've seen a lot of this and please, if, if you're feeling any sort of way, please reach out to your friends, please reach out to your family. Hell, I've had this happen before. Please even email me to send me a DM, whatever it might be. I, if I really don't mind if for some reason you just need someone to talk to, please, please, please. I would rather 
help you out than not know and potentially have the world lose you if you're listening to this. Yeah, and you can email me, rmata at me.com if you're ever going through shit. And the same here, Kevin at mysungaday.com. I mean, if you go to the Emma City Rocks page, just there's a contact button. It'll go straight to my email. I get every single email for everything. So please, please, please do that. And if if you need something for like maybe potentially, you know, music that could help you through this, I've listened to a lot of it. There's certain songs where, you know, for certain things that I've gone through, I've struggled to try and just comprehend them or try and describe them. And that's one of the beauties about music too, because you can find something that just basically perfectly describes what you had gone through in terms of the emotions. And it might not be right away, but all of a sudden, you know, you're going to listen to a song. It's just going to hit you a certain way. That happened to me in 2020 when I was listening to the new Polaris record from that year. It just, there was one song that I listened to. I just kind of was like, I got to go back to that and listen to it again. And it felt like my whole entire 2017, 2018 was put in a perspective right there. And it just was one of the most amazing things in the world. And now when I look back at other music as well, and even listen to Last Surrender as well, it's I can see the parallels between what you're talking about, Renee, and what I was going through at that time. And again, finding the moment where I'm like, I'm not going to give up. And I I basically told you when I saw that it's rising against it, J.J. Osanic, boom, that was that first moment where I'm like, I am not going to give up. I am not going to surrender to this. Like, this is not going to beat me because of this. Awesome. I love it, man. That's That's amazing. And again, there's so many other people that are going to connect to this as well in the same way. And it's, it's, I, I mean, it's, I don't know how to describe it anymore. Outside of it's, it's, it's kind of truly immaculate in a way with the way that your song is going to be able to connect with people on such a certain level, whether it's more of a, you know, maybe not as serious, maybe it's just like a quick temporary thing they're feeling all of a sudden it's just a little bit of motivation, or it could be something where, you know, people have been dealing with stuff for, for years not necessarily sure that, you know, they can go on much more. And then they hear this and they finally feel that moment. This could be something again, where you're going to have that, those people that are going to be at the front row of one of your shows, you're going to play this and they're going to just be, you're going to see that just passionate connection and passionate love that they have for this song because it helped them through potentially one of the darkest days of their lives. Well, if it can help one person, I'll be, I'll be happy. And I hope it helps more than that, but you know what is I lived through it and you know, I've gone through it myself. And it's definitely, you know, a lonely place. It is. So, again, please listen to Last Surrender. And for everyone. Light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. If you hold on. Yes. And, as, and for everyone listening, you guys know when it comes to these songs, they always put an overall, like, comprehensive, put my all feels in this. And this is what I wrote down for this one. Again, looking at a different screen, that's not where my camera is. Because, like I say, I write all this stuff down or type it out because... I don't want to mess this up when I always relay it. So I just put, I put overall, this song is a very strong message, giving its willingness to not succumb to surrendering. The overall song has this great overall pacing, energy build and trance that really feels like we're not going to fall to this. The chorus ain't consistent with that style of the verses, but having the drums be the defining part is a great move to drive the point home because then they match the fuller bridge with the verses that really amp up that energy and his vocals carry us all the way through. That's pretty awesome, man. Thank you. So now at this point, I'm I'm I can't lie. I'm looking forward to more music from you guys. Well, you're gonna get some more. I'm gonna get some more. April sixteenth, our EP drops. Holy shit! Okay, I'm putting that in the. So everyone watching the video, I'm putting that in the bomb because I think this podcast come out after that day. So you're gonna see the name of the EP available now, and I'm gonna make sure you guys find it. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for this. And well, because I feel like this is the perfect time to kind of like the way the conversation's gone. We've kind of got this all. 
Everyone, again, if you're listening to this, if you need to reach out to somebody, please reach out to family, friends that you're close to, that you trust. If you feel like you can't reach out to anyone, please reach out to one of the two of us. We are more than willing to listen. We are more than willing to just be there for you and help you through whatever it is. And I mean, like for social lives, uh, just contact me on all the MSD Rock socials. I'm on everything. I'm the one running it all. So contact me on that. We already had Renee's email address earlier. So contact. Actually, contest on Instagram, ReachNYC, at ReachNYC, or Renee Mata Rocks on my Instagram. I'll say this. Don't worry. When it comes to anything ReachNYC, anything with yours as well, there's going to be in the podcast, either YouTube, Spotify, Podcast, iHeartRadio, there's going to be some in the description that says find ReachNYC online, where I'm going to have links to every one of your socials, your YouTube website, merch, and where they can stream the uh, EP as well. Everything is going to be there. It's going to be a one-stop shop for everybody. I'm making it as easy as possible. Amazing. Thank you, Kevin. So, and before we close this out, there's one other thing I always like to add and in terms of the podcast, whenever I have a guest on that I've absolutely enjoyed having on and it's been a pleasure, which basically is pretty much, which is pretty much everybody at this point, because I love doing these and trust me, Renee, this is no different. I've loved being on the, I've loved having you on the podcast. So this is the promise I'm making to you. All right. So this is when I get the chance. This is not an if, this is a when I get to see Reach NYC play for the first time live, no matter where it is. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you drink or anything, but I, cause again, Milwaukee, there's, there's so much beer here. That's I'm actually sober. And that's what a, a lot of my songs are. And a lot of my friends, you know, have fought that, you know, addiction, to alcoholism. And that's what I will have a water or a diet coke with you. That's where I was going with that. Cause I was going to always go first rounds of me, or we could do what I have the deal with, with uh Keith Wall and a breaking Benjamin. You always go with that as well, which is first pizzas on me. I'm down with that, brother. <laughs> there we go. I'll put this one down as that one is one of my few of the first pizzas on me. And if it's in Milwaukee, hell, before the show, I'll end up going getting like two or three pizzas. There's a place that best pizza I have in Milwaukee, about half a mile away from my house. I'll go get three of them, bring them down to the rave and be like, I got you guys covered. All right. Amazing. Zernay, on that moment, I cannot end this podcast in all good conscience by saying goodbye for a number of reasons. One, it feels like that's the end. Final finuto. No, no, I'll, get, I'll text you my number. I'll email you my number. We'll awesome. Contact. All right, brother. Hell yeah. Cause that's what I was going to, I was like, you know what? I want you back in the podcast. I've got to make good in that promise of either, you know what? We'll, we'll throw in first water first, Diet Coke and first pizza. We'll throw it all in there. We'll put it all together. <laughs> hey, I'm going to give you, hold on. Right. Like right now, I feel like I should play the Jeopardy theme. Just do, 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 do. <laughs> Hold on, I am. I will email you. I'm gonna find your email. Do me a favor, email me now. Um, I'm just gonna. I'll send you my yeah. number. Uh, we'll uh, we'll do it after we uh, oh, stop yeah, we'll recording. <laughs> we'll take like we'll take care of that because we're about to end this with me saying again, in all good conscience, with all those promises, I cannot end this podcast with a goodbye. So I have to end it with this. See you later. Take it easy, bro. See you soon. See you soon. Ooh, whoa, 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 folks! That was my interview with Renee from the band Reach NYC again. Back from the dead. The brand new EP is available. As of April 16th, this podcast comes out afterwards. So please go take a listen to the brand new EP, AK Back from the Dead. Please listen to Last Surrender. Other songs that are going to be on the EP that you should listen to. Please listen to Automatic featuring Mark Morton from Lamb of God. And of course, Back from the Dead featuring Mr. Kobe Shaddix.
And again, like we said in the podcast, this podcast, we went through so much in terms of mental health, in terms of depression, overcoming a lot of things and just just really being, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Please, 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 for the love of God, if you're feeling something like this, please reach out to the people that you trust the most, friends, family. And if you feel like you have no one to reach out to, feel free to reach out to Renee or reach out to myself as well. You can find us on our socials. Again, links are and everything are going to be in the description of this podcast. You can email me at Kevin at mysongoftheday.com. I I have done this before as well uh, when I first started out and... The guy actually emailed me saying like, you know, we were talking for a while and then all of a sudden he stopped emailing me. He's like, hey man, I've got my life back on track. Just thanks for talking to me. And I was just kind of blown away by it, honestly. It was something where, again, please, 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 we would much rather have you still here with us than not have you at all. So please, if you need somebody, please feel free to reach out to us. If you feel like you have nobody, please reach out to family and friends as well. Because they would much rather have you here than to not have you here. Please. So on that note, that's going to be for me today, guys. Thank you for watching and listening to the Core Progression Podcast. My name is Steve Rock the Rock and Metal Thrive. My name is Kevin. And you guys know I end every single one of these with a big, healthy, and hearty. See y'all. Yeah.